Good to be back here at Pressing Questions, our English-speaking podcast. Today with a little bit of a different one. Last time out, we had Pats and Dhaka here. This time, we have two guests, two of our, our let's let's say, very famous players of our squad because they both have played for a very famous team as well that we are facing in a test game in just a few days' time. It's Max Weber and Rasmus Christensen. Very blessed to have you. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> We're testing them both in English, as you might know already. Uh, thing is, it's not your native language, but you're both very esteemed, very good at it. Yeah, I mean, we both played in the Netherlands and I mean, it's a mix of German and, and English. So I speak German and uh, yeah, the easiest way to communicate was English. Everybody was speaking English there. So I think we both just improved our English, not really our Dutch. So I think that's why we both can speak uh, quite good English, I think. Yeah. I guess so as well. The thing is, um, you spoke about your time at Ajax Amsterdam. What was your first impression when he came to Amsterdam? You have already been there, I guess. I, I've been there. I've been there. I changed there in the summer and he came in the winter. He came in the winter, so half a year later. Yeah. What was your first impression when he joined? Uh, he was, from the beginning, a really funny guy. Really uh, a weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, then, then he moved in uh, almost in the, the apartment next to me. I think it was just uh, the house on the other street. And I think from there on, um, we started to, to get us to know a little bit more each other. So uh, it was quite fun. Um, Rasmus, he, I think we both had a quite difficult time at, uh, at Amsterdam. But yeah, I think also that that was... Uh, that was the thing that uh, connected us a little bit. We both had difficult times. We both had a little bit uh, mental problems, I would say. <laughs> so I think that's why we are good friends now. Difficult times. Um, would you like to elaborate on that, maybe? No, but it's, it's clear when you're in Amsterdam for playing football and you're not playing football and you don't feel like you are valued or a part of the team, then of course it's difficult. And I mean, I think me and me and Max, we were in the same same boat, and we were we were struggling with the same frustrations and the same things. So I both mean, in the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's we had pretty pretty similar situations, I would say. But so that's of course it's it also makes it more easy. But I think generally also like the Austrian mentality and the Danish mentality are pretty similar. And there was a few other Danish guys also at the team, and I think it was easy also for Max to to blend in with the Danish guys because it's pretty similar and it's I think it's more similar Austria to Denmark than Austria to to Netherlands I mean especially for the younger generation there was quite a a big gap I think also from attitude wise from the mentality for us it was more like yeah we came to a big city and for sure football was number one but we were also enjoying a little bit life we were going to the to the city, to the center, we're going for dinner, we did some stuff. We also went out a couple of times and the Dutch guys, they were more just like, okay, um, they were in a group, they know each other for a couple of years and no other player were like invited or could join them. So it was like, okay, the four iron guys who, who came at a young age, they were like trying to get together and do something and yeah, try to get the, uh, the time over. So very much it two-sided mentality, two-class 
society in, in, in that case. I remember you saying, Rasmus, that you said, um, of course, when you move to a big city, it's exciting. And as a footballer, of course, you got to train and of course you get to play on the weekends, but you've got a lot of time on your hands and it's up to you to, to really make a life out of it or to lay around at home and basically do nothing, watching Netflix all day. You can go for both ways. I was just hanging out with Max or the other Danish guys. Or we had like a third goalkeeper, Costas also, who lived. And yeah, I mean, we were just at the time enjoying the city, going for coffee, lunch, dinner, whatever. Just yeah, really enjoying the the city of Amsterdam. I think it's a wonderful city, and I really love the I really love the place. So that's that's basically it. I mean, we were more. I was more in the city and then than at home. Uh, just of course, some some days you have some long afternoons on your couch. I mean, I think that's impossible not to have as a football player. But but I think uh, I think we were pretty good to also enjoy the city and and at the same time, it's not so far away from from Denmark and and Austria. I mean, it's, I had a quite a lot of visitors also and friends and family over. So yeah, I mean, time time went by pretty fast. I think. In, in the beforehand of this uh, episode, I uh, watched a few videos of the past and you had a feature with the zone when you just um, joined Amsterdam and they went there with, with a camera team and followed you around. And you said, um, yeah, my friends, they were a little bit down when I said uh, I was going to leave Vienna and then uh, I would join Amsterdam. Uh, and then you started laughing. And the camera guy was asking you, yeah, why, why are you laughing now? And you said, well, it, it was a lie. They just, they just like to come over. They come every opportunity. Yeah, I think everybody, every teenager knows Amsterdam and knows what, it's, what Amsterdam is known for. It's like partying. You're allowed to, to smoke drugs or get drugs. So for them, it was like, um, okay, every, every week or every weekend possible, they were coming over or asking me if it's possible to come over and then, it, yeah, I was preparing for a game and they were just enjoying life. So that was always, for me, it was good because I, I had people around, but it's also difficult because, you know, you know, your friends, they're going out on, on Saturday and coming home at five o'clock in the morning and you are, yeah, having dinner and then you say, okay, I go to bed, good night. And then you wake up five o'clock in the morning and everybody's like fucked up and had the time of their lives. And you're like, okay, uh, fucking hell, I'm to stand up tomorrow at eight o'clock and then yeah, travel to where, wherever in the Netherlands and, and, and play a game there. So I think this was, this was quite difficult to, to say no to everything or almost everything. Uh, Rasmus was laughing when you said that. Uh, I think he shares that sentiment. Um, you also said you lived quite nearby, same street, am I correct? Yes. Um, and you had that place where you went for breakfast. Um, breakfast club. The, the breakfast club. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? You had your, your own squad. I think other Ajax players joined in as well. Yeah, we were quite a few players living in the street. Gustav Malerland. We are, so, I mean, we, if we have time or if we have a late training or something like this or on game day, even if you have to meet in a little bit later, then uh, yeah, we would have breakfast together. I mean, it was just really, really easy and quite good. Yeah, exactly. It was just the closest restaurant and we just knew it. when we have a late training, then when you come there at 11 o'clock, have breakfast and a coffee, somebody would already sit there and it was just uh, yeah, 
trying to prepare for the next training or just enjoy a little bit. So it was just like our our meeting spot, I would say. Second living room, I like to say, something yeah. Like this, yeah, something like this. Um, with the foods, there's there was quite some issues in the past because um, we spoke on both of your podcasts in German about food. Um, there was obviously the time when the lockdown was in the very very first or second week, and you said Rasmus was often coming over to have dinner with you. And then we asked the question back and um, asked, uh, where, where do you like to go when you go for, for dinner to restaurants here in Salzburg? And what does Max eat? And um, that is now the first question, the first of the statements you have to react to Max. He said, Max basically eats everything, but just without cheese. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I just like everything. I think it was a pretty difficult eater when I was younger. Now I learned a little bit the, the Dutch culture, also the, the Spanish culture. So now I'm more open to to every kind of food, and also, um, yeah, I just try to eat everything without cheese. That's that's the only thing I don't, I don't like. But uh, only on pizza, it's okay for me. But but the rest. But compared to Rasmus, I'm a really a normal eater. So if you serve me something, I can eat it. But like what you already said in the in the lockdown um Rasmus came over a couple of times and my girlfriend we tried always to yeah we tried to eat a little bit more vegetarian and eat more vegetables or something like this but Rasmus he doesn't eat one kind of a vegetable not even <laughs> I don't know not even a strawberry or a banana or a, Potatoes, nothing one. yeah he, he just eats a sausage with potato some ketchup to it and that's it But you can you can put him a five star meal and a six course menu. It will just eat some meat and maybe some potatoes. That's it. True. <laughs> you like to describe yourself as a Viking. Um, is that maybe your Viking diet? Only meat and 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 the raw materials from planet Earth. I mean, I like. Going back, I think, like history speaking, I think Vikings was the strongest and most powerful people on earth at that time. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that they were not uh, eating vegetarian food. So, I mean, I, I'm just copying that kind of diet. I mean, and it's working so far, so. <laughs> okay, that was the first statement. The second one was by Max about you. And he said, um, when Rasmus is coming over for food, it's a wise decision by him. Because the thing is, when he cooks alone, The only thing he can do is experiments and pasta and nothing else. You, you're absolutely not talented in the kitchen. Is that true? I, I say I'm pretty bad. I'm pretty bad. And also it's like uh, none of my interests to cook. I think it's the most boring thing in the world. So when I do, I just make the most simple meal as possible. But you made a great lasagna. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Nah, but in, in the corona times, it was like, I have to. So there, I, 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 I don't know, it was not interesting. But then I just bought a grill and then you put everything on the grill and then it's, it's so, so easy. I mean, <laughs> we just, but, but I think Max is the same way of like cooking. He's also just grilling everything possible. Also your vegetables, like everything. Exactly. But he has one valuable asset at home, that's his girlfriend. Exactly, that's and that's why he's plus one. But I'm not really cooking. I'm just cutting the vegetables, looking. something like this. This is my. <laughs> yeah, 
this is this is the thing. This, I just do what I what I'm told from yeah. my girlfriend, and then after ten minutes I'm free, and I can go in front of the TV again, and then wait till it's finished. Yeah. But yeah, if I have to cook for myself, I think I'm exactly the same like Rasmus. Just put it on the grill. Just <laughs> 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 fucking good. <British. laughs> uh, speaking about girlfriends, um, one thing that Albert Valci said: um, you, Max are the one that gets driven to training. All the other players are driving to training themselves, but you let your girlfriend drive. Is that true? That's what Albert said. I can answer that. I've not seen that one single time. I think my girlfriend never was on she, the training ground, so... She was never in Saksama? No. Never. Never. So never. I don't know what he's talking, but I only know that even, you know, everybody has, like, the relationships and also... Rasmus' girlfriend is coming over a couple of times from Denmark. My girlfriend is living in, in Vienna and when she's over. But we always try to make some things, also when the girlfriends are here. And when we say like, okay, we go to the Valpad and we do some stuff. And we also ask Bertel and he says, yeah, I cannot go because my girlfriend, she's also here. So I'm not allowed to or I cannot do it. So I think he's like the one who is yeah, who sure. is having the, the, the chains on. For sure, so for sure. I don't know, so if someone can talk about having issues with a girlfriend or uh, like being in trouble with girlfriends, then it's better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's like a dog. And he's so much a dog that he now bought a dog. <laughs> yeah, he, bought, he just bought the dog, so he's not the only dog in the family. For sure. So he has, he has a friend to play with. You have a girlfriend as well now. Um, Maybe we want to put it out there to, to the world because um, speaking with our female employees here at the club, they all say you're the most attractive one. I don't know why. Marshall. No, you. They all, they all say maybe it's because of the jawbones, cheekbones. I don't know all of that business. But apparently you are the most attractive player as well. But you're off the market, so. I'm 100% off the market. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record, <laughs> just, just say, to say to it out loud, just to make it short. <laughs> just to put it like make statement. One um, further thing, Patson said about you, Rasmus. Is um, I was asking him who has the best dance moves in the squad, and that was shortly after the championship celebration, and we had that video with you dancing in the dressing room, and he said, "Well, Rasmus is good, but fuck, he's better." Do you share that sentiment? I think for sure Faki have more legitimate moves. I'm more like uh, just, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know how, I just do whatever. I, I have no moves really. I just <laughs> try to move my body in whatever <laughs> way. <laughs> But uh, no, for sure Faki is, uh, he, he got a style. I don't know how I to think your it. your moves are like you're just dancing to the music for yourself. Yeah, for and like sure. Faki is like he just got all the moves to entertain a big crowd. So I just yeah. He can be on the dancing floor alone and he would just entertain 200 people just by his moves. And he also does some stuff that's really dangerous. So I think no one else in our team could could do this moves. It's definitely more wild. I think it's a mix of dance and gymnastics or something like this. Yeah, jumping like this, around, yeah. laying on the floor. Yeah, it's, like it's uh, everything. But but I think also fuck. He was young at the time where it was cool to do like dubstep and 
how well, you know he's this he's, he's, he's not dun, from a, he's dun, not dun. from a big city you know he's more no, like this, this in yeah. Austria we call him Krocher yeah he's like hardstyler and something really like like, I, like the Amsterdam hardcore scene was, something like this <laughs> exactly. yeah exactly he was he's from a time where it was when he was like let's say 18 it was cool like you you do like this yeah, you, you are have in your these neon caps and the Fokuhila and your tank tops <laughs> yeah, and exactly. like tattoos all over shiny red shoes and then you're like just stamping on the ground so pumped up because he was always wearing uh, for sure for sure the tank the tops and then his neon yeah. cap maybe has a little bit longer hair with small Fokuhila and then for was sure. just doing his hard style thing yeah he was just Pflicht as we say in Vienna uh, Max, Max knows what I'm speaking about. That's, that was maybe the place, the, the one place to be back in the days when Faki was young. Yeah. Um, one more thing that Patson said. It's, it's, it's all about Patson here. Um, he said, um, oh no, it was Albert again. I'm sorry. He said, uh, which is bullshit again. But maybe, maybe this one is the most legit of all the things he said ever. Because um, he was about to become a school teacher before he uh, went to become a footballer. But he had one year at university and he was studying sports and English. And I was asking English. him, um, I think so. No, geography. Sorry. Oh, okay. uh, English would be pretty difficult for him, I think. <laughs> no, it, it, it was geography, but I asked him some geography question as well. And his answers were terrible. Uh, he, he was asking me like, um, I said to him, Noah is from Basel in Switzerland, so that's at the very north. And he said, well, on the map, that's very left, isn't it? <laughs> so it's just thinking about Austria and what's left and right. <laughs> but it's a good start. But the thing was, um, I asked him if he is having a sports lesson, um, who wouldn't be getting the best grade out of our squad? And he said, you. Yeah. Because he's lazy at training. That's what he said. I'm not. I'm not lazy in training. I just know when it's the day to give, give like hundred percent, and also when it's the day where my body says, okay, I'm a little bit tired. So I think I'm just a little bit smarter than everybody else. Hmm. But does Max have the the Viking spirit, the fighting spirit? Yeah, for sure. He can also be. He can also get angry. I mean, it takes a little bit more time than, for example, with me. But he's like. I'm just generally angry when I go on the pitch. Like I, I'm just looking for things to make me angry. Max is a little bit more calm guy, and that's also good in his position, centre back. You have to be calm. You have to be able to always keep like a good view of across the pitch and stuff like this. But mm-hmm. now nah, he got it. He got it in him for sure. He got also the the physical power. He can. He's strong. I mean, but I'm for sure not the laziest guy in our squad. That's. I can say definitely. I don't know, I don't know I again don't know. why Valsh is talking like this. Yeah, he's exactly. also like I mean, really lazy. We are like in the in the gym. You see the way like he walks almost like every a, day and he's like coming once a week and then say something like this is He's walking know. around like spaghetti has spent too much time in water like Yeah, when you see him on the show you think like okay this guy is not a footballer but No for sure not uh. But he, from his body wise he looks like a teacher. He could be a geography teacher, seriously. Yeah, but the most lazy guy is for 100% Manchit. Yeah, that is no, true. Manchit is crazy. Manchit and Seiko. <laughs> nah, Seiko is not on the pitch, but yeah, that is true. he's monster on the pitch. But Manchit, Manchit is just... It's only in the games that he wants to run. That is true. During the whole week, he's... <laughs> a Rasta, man. Yeah, Bob Marley. <laughs> Burner boy. 
MC, det må be city. Yeah, perfect for Madrid. Dangerous also. Taking it back to Amsterdam for a last time. We're playing them in a, in a few days' time when this goes on air. What were your, your memories on the style of play and the club internally? Because um, the last time we had a press conference here, it was quite some time ago, when um, we celebrated the championship and uh, Chessy said on the question, because there were some rumors floating about that he might uh, go to a different team, I don't know which team it was at the time, and some journalists asked if, if he was already finished with his business here because he won two titles and if he wants to move on. And he said, now we have unfinished business here. And as an American, we always aim high. And the target is to make this club what Ajax Amsterdam is historically. Do you think there is a broad way to go? Or is it, um, are we already there, kind of? I think is I think like to be at the same place. I mean, in like if you only measure the results on the pitch, I mean I think we are still behind. But I I don't think there's such a long way to go. But I mean, we are talking about a club who won Champions League several times. We're talking about a club who have like fans across the world. They have like I mean, have so many legends. Just play to, for the biggest clubs in the world. Just, it's crazy. I mean, just to, like the team we were playing on last year. I mean, one of some of the best players in the world. I mean, and they're like playing every game in Juventus and in Barcelona and, and whatever. It's crazy at the moment. And also, just like a small, like I think I don't know how many followers we have in on Instagram in in South. About two hundred and fifty thousand, I think. Yeah, but it's more yeah, than five million, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's different world, really. Like I mean. You cannot compare these two things here to Amsterdam. Also, the how can I say the football in in Amsterdam? Everybody is Ajax fan, and everybody is bleeding Ajax. I mean, they are so passionate. But I think it's also about the country because the Netherlands they are just like a, a football nation. For sure, this is in the blood. And in Austria, you have skiing and something like this, which people like even more than football or Some they're more fascinated by it but I think when you compare these two clubs now Red Bull Salzburg and Ajax Amsterdam I think it's just the whole structure of the club is a little bit a little bit different because they bring up like five six talents every year to the first team who are from the Netherlands and come up I don't know they started to play at the under 12 team and come up uh, with seven team to the first team and I think here is a little bit different that you have like this Red Bull academies all over the world. You have this amazing scouting system where you bring 17, 16 year old boys from Africa, from South America, from everywhere to this club. And then they play two good seasons and then they are gone again. So I think in Amsterdam it's, it's a little bit difficult, uh, different now. Mm-hmm. And also the club is, I think it's, it's much bigger, but it's also because of the history of them. Mm-hmm. So, so the statue of the club is very much different and at a level we might not ever reach here. But on the pitch, as you said, we're not far off and we will get to compare that against them um, in the game. But another thing um, which struck my mind kind of because here we get talents, you said, from all over the world, a few from Austria as well. Um, they're getting put into the first team quite early on and they tend to go to a high, higher level very quickly get their transfers at 21, 22. At Amsterdam, it's, 
it's quite similar in, this, in the sense that Matthias de Ligt, he went very early, de Jong went very early. Um, but they also have players that stay around for a longer time, like Feldmann. Um, but um, the, the pressure around the club, I think you, you told that story about the fans um, stopping you at that service station. And you might want, want to tell uh, that to us later, but the, the pressure is very large at Amsterdam. The pressure here is very little. So you, you, you get a, a few fans, you get obviously some journalists saying this and that, but it's a very quiet environment to, to develop. How does it come that um, the outcome in Amsterdam is very much similar to here, but um, the surroundings are so, so different? And you have seen both of them. So how, how does a, um, a Dutch player with 20 years of age cope with the pressure of having to play in front of 50,000 fans and to deliver because they are expected to win the championship each year? If you ask me, it's about what you're, what you're used to, what you, put your, what you put your mind to. Like for them, when you are an academy player in Amsterdam, then the only thing that you're working for is to play in the arena where you know there's 50,000. That's your whole mindset is that I have to play for 50,000. If you are a young player here, then all honor and respect for what we do here in Salzburg, but we have, I don't know, 10,000 maximum to a normal league game. And that's what that's also the same for me when I was an academy player in Denmark, that uh, the biggest thing for me at that time, the biggest I could imagine was playing it for the first team in the home stadium for 8,000. But if your mentality from your very young age is different and what you are all the time expecting is different, then it's like a completely different mindset and then it's more normal to play in front of 50,000 than it's like if you change directly from Denmark where you're used to 8,000 at home then you, your first game in Amsterdam is in front of 55,000 because we have like average of 50,000 in, in Amsterdam I mean that's like I think almost 40,000 more than than here so right. it's, it's it's completely like it's just it's different. It's a different way of thinking about yourself and what you can do and where you have to go. For us, I mean, we go to Amsterdam. We see it as a a really big step, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. But if you're a young player from Ajax going to the first team, their mentality is go to Barcelona. That's their destination. For us, it's, we already reached the destination coming to Amsterdam. So they're just thinking bigger in some ways, and they are taught to think bigger because they are in a like it, they are used to it in some kind of way. I think they also they they have to handle the pressure faster than than the young players have to do here. Because in Amsterdam when you're a young player with eighteen, nineteen, twenty and you play three bad games, you're almost done. So they're like when you're not a really outstanding player, there are no third chances or something. I think here it's a little bit different because we are dominating the league so much that yeah, when you have a bad game, it's not like the same. And it's also media-wise and public-wise, you don't get so much attention on it. But when you fuck up a game in Amsterdam, it's like one week all over the newspaper, in every um, magazine, in every TV football, show. TV show. They're just talking about you and they're just killing you. There's like... Every every evening there's like a pro program where legends are talking about something and it's just about almost every day is about Ajax and then they pick up uh, pick out two or three players and when you fuck it up you're just one week and you get full media pressure from everywhere. And here it's like 
okay, when you play a bad game and let's say, okay, we lose one game against uh, whoever, whoever it is, doesn't matter, and you play a really bad game and maybe you make the mistake to fuck it up, then it's like, okay, after the game, they talk a little bit about it and say, okay, he makes the mistake, but that's it. Maybe you have the next day in the, in the newspaper, you have something and you get a bad, a bad grade, I would say, for this game, but, but then it's finished. So I think it's it's much more difficult, yeah, just to handle this pressure over there than than you have to do here. And in Amsterdam, I think the young players they're just what Rasmus said they're just mentally wise. They prepare so much better and are so much better prepared because they see it their whole life and their whole career till this moment that they come into the arena and walk on the pitch and play the game. That they're just mentally, I think, much more prepared than than the young players are here. Yeah, I, I guess it's also with the fans. They can be your best friends one day, and if you lose two games, they're your worst enemies. And and that was the one um, story you, you told me a few months ago when we were driving up that mountain in the car when um, you were stopped by the fans after, I think, you lost to Feyenoord. PSV. Uh, we lost to, to PSV. To PSV. And they, they became champions, PSV, in that game by beating us. Okay, so would, would you like to kind of um, tell the story from the, from the beginning to the end? No, it's just, I, I mean, for me it's just like a funny story to tell sometimes to, so people sometimes understand the emotion and the passion that's, that's going on in, in, in Amsterdam and by the fans. I mean, yeah, we, were, we lost, three, I think we lost 3-0 or something to PS3. That something like this, yeah. And when we came home, all the fans were was standing by the there's this like bridge you have to drive across to get to the to the stadium parking play, uh, parking spots and then the fence was just stopping us bef before we we could drove over this bridge and um, yeah they were they were just they wanted an explanation for a really really bad game and why we like because for them and of course also for the players it was humiliating to once one like one thing is to lose the championship but to lose the championship against PSV, that they became champions against Ajax with a win over Ajax. is like, it hurts a lot on, on the fans and on the club and also, of course, also on the players. I mean, I mean, I think sometimes it's even worse for us, you know. But uh, yeah, they were just like stopping stopping the bus and and they, yeah, they, they just like wanted to know and want to tell us that they were really, 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 really uh, unhappy and unsatisfied with the way we've been performing that season and they were really angry and I mean, and then you you have one year later where we became champions and there were more than 100,000 people in the in the lights plan in, in Amsterdam like uh, saying that you are that we were the the greats and one of the best teams in history and stuff like this i mean that's also like it every time you have a passion level that's that high you have these big difference between good and bad or happy and angry the more the passion the, the more passion then the the more I would say difference is there in, in the emotions also. I mean, it's difficult to, to control emotions, especially if you're that emotional about a thing like football. Coming to an end here with our podcast, um, one last question. We talked about it before we started this episode. Liverpool is coming as well for a test game. The two games we had in the Champions League against them were obviously very famous ones. Narrow losses for us, but nevertheless good experiences. How many good memories do you share with that game and how much do you look forward to play, playing them again? I think actually me and Max, we, we talked about it. We, were, we went out for a run before the, the start and we talked about that 
when you think about when you think back of the of the two Liverpool games, it's like we lost both games, but if, if it feels like we won. Exactly. Like yeah. Weird feeling. Like you're looking back at like, whoa, that was really f- like amazing. Like, but you lost. What? I don't know. I mean, I think it's also like, yeah, we are we are playing against Liverpool again. It's nice. It's it's fucking awesome. But it's also not the same. Mm-hmm. Like there's gonna be fifteen hundred yeah. spectators in a training game in a friendly. And yeah, you can I never compare like a, a test game or a friendly game to a Champions League game, especially I think the one we played at home where it was like all or nothing for both teams. If we win, we go through. If they win, they go through. I think yeah, it's, such, it's just completely different. Also, the this feeling you have and the, the emotions you have before the game, it's just, yeah, you just cannot compare it. But for sure, we have we've still an, an open bill, I would say. And it would be nice to to get a win against them, also if it's just a friendly game. But yeah, looking back, as you said, these two games they were they were amazing. Even we lost both. When I think, especially at the Anfield Road after the four three, where we come back from a three zero, I think everybody was sitting in the bus, and for sure everybody was a little bit unhappy, not really satisfied because we still lost and. Didn't didn't achieve what we what we wanted, but it was I think from that moment on, everybody in Europe was looking on us and said, okay, these guys there in Salzburg, they're doing an amazing job, and the whole club, they I think we we earned a lot of respect in all over the Europe for for Red Bull Salzburg. I think so as well, and I think that's also a good statement to conclude the episode here. Uh, thanks very much for listening to all our listeners. You can, of course, like, share and subscribe to our podcast. I say thank you to the both of you. No problem. <laughs> no worries. And, yeah, tune in when the next episode gets aired, maybe with Jesse Marsh next time. Until then, goodbye. Das ist Einstellungssache, der Podcast des FC Red Bull Salzburg.